Paul, we do want to welcome you this morning, the first week of Sunday, anyhow, of 2019. Wow. Does time fly or what? And this morning's going to be just a little different. Um, in fact, they've given me a little extra time, and we're gonna, I think we'll take it up. If we don't, we get to go early, okay? But I just want to share with you a little bit from my heart and some of the things that we believe God is calling us to as a church in 2019. Now, I'm called it 2020 vision for a couple reasons. One is we always want our vision to be just, just spot on, right? But I think in today's day and today's time, you really can't be thinking just one year ahead. You need to be thinking multiple years ahead. And so this morning we're kind of thinking, and actually we've been working at this over the last few years even as a church, thinking how do we prepare ourselves best for 2020 and beyond. And so I, I want to do that this morning. I thought I'd start though. I've been wanting to do something and, and, and I hadn't gotten around to doing it. So this morning I was sat in my office and I typed this up. So I missed things I know. But I just thought in reflection of 2018, um, what's it been like, especially here at French Church? And so I, so I kind of got categories, and I, I wrote down the first category of, what if you just walk through the building on any given day? What would you see? This, believe me, this is a busy place. There's a lot happening on a daily, it seems like on a moment by moment, hour by hour basis in here. If you walk through uh, this, this building on a daily basis, first of all, you might run into a staff person. We have a staff, we have a custodial crew, facility crew that, that's here diligently working every day. And you might run into them, but better chance you're going to run into a student. We have a school with almost 400 kids here, uh, Cornerstone Christian Academy, and, and they are here, and, and they are filling these halls and filling these rooms on a daily basis. And if you walk in any day, you might run into one of those 400 students or 40 faculty and staff that work with them. If you don't see them, you might run into a, a worker of our Friends Early Learning Center daycare. And they may be pushing around what, it's, it's amazing. Have you seen those strollers that hold like 18 kids? <laughs> you know, they take them as a break, you know, they want to take them a walk, and then, you know, they load up these kids, and they walk by, and, and if it's nice enough, you know, they might get a little trip outside, and, and, uh, and so it's, it's so neat, though, to, to walk out, and then to walk around and, and see these, these little kids being taken care of so their parents can, can work, and knowing that not only are they, are they here to be taken care of, but they get to hear about about Jesus and they get to experience a Christian environment uh, during the day. So just some neat things. Every day you might walk through here, but how about uh, depending on the day or the evening, you might walk through and you might walk and see some ladies in a time of prayer. That might be something you see. Or you might see some ladies quilting if you hit it at the right time. Uh, you might walk in and see some folks gathered together in support for grief recovery. You might come in in an evening and see some community groups or classes meeting and fellowshipping and studying. Coming soon here, you're going to be walking in and you might come some evening and bump into a bunch of kids dribbling basketballs. And their coaches, as upward sports happens on a regular basis and that ministry is ready to go strong. If you come in on some days, you'll see our senior adults. They meet together for fellowship and shuffleboard. Yeah, did you know that? 
Tuesday mor- Thursday mornings, if you want to play shuffleboard, um, do that. You might come in and see our choir practicing. Choir practicing to sing up here on Sunday morning or right now getting ready for our Easter musical, which we're looking forward to in April. A ministry that's going to take place and reach out not only to the community and to our church, but to international students. You might come and see our our youth, our student ministry in action. In small groups or in large groups, they're meeting together. You might walk in and see a bunch of mothers and babies and young children and even some older mothers and Mastery Motherhood Plus as we minister to, to those who are so frazzled many times in this trying to raise their young children. And what an exciting venture that is. Or if you get in just the right time, you're going to try to figure out how to get through the halls of nearly a thousand youth for youth explosion. <laughs> and elbow them out of the way so you can get to where you need to go. On Sunday... You walk in and you see what's happening here, but we have a vibrant children's ministry and nursery and all the way up through our student ministries that are involved on a, on a weekly basis. You might also venture out at 11 o'clock and see part of our ministry to, the, to those who are special needs, a special service here just for those with special needs. You'll find volunteers everywhere, from the parking lot to the door to the greeters' table to the, to the guest services to ushers to a, a wonderful worship team that worships to all the teachers that we have. And you can even venture down into a cafe and, welcome, and be welcomed and have free coffee and, and visitors and volunteers, volunteers working there to help everybody have some fellowship. All going on on a weekly basis. In addition... Just in 2018, we started some new things. You see in your program, Friends for Freedom, our anti-human trafficking initiative. And we're excited about that. And that's something new and it's going on and we're, we're excited about the direction that that's headed. Of course, in 2018, we started Celebrate Recovery. Every Monday night here at 6.30, for those, all of us with our hurts, habits, and hang-ups, come together and get help and, and God works on us and changes us and transforms us. Mission trips continue to happen. In fact, we just had eight, I don't know if you call it a mission trip or not, but we just had eight of our uh, teens and young adults that came back from Colorado Springs. They had attended the, the, the national, uh, I call it a convention, but it's called the Summit. It was a summit of friends from all across the country, our young adults, and they had a great time. If you wanna, if you wanna grab somebody and say, hey, I wanna hear how you were blessed, just grab, grab someone that's smiling big because they just got back and they'll tell you about this summit and how it changed their lives. You know, there's 30 of us that went to Israel this year. That was a, that was a blast. That was, that was so exciting to be part of that trip. We hosted the Latin American Pastors Conference what an opportunity that was in October. What a challenge that was to do that just weeks before youth explosion. <laughs> I know the, 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 the burden on our volunteers was great, but folks, you, you came through with flying colors. And we had probably the highlight of, of my time since I've been here. Christmas Eve, we, we shared with you a need with InterVarsity uh, Fellowship and Hike and Body, 
<laughs> Bach and Heidi too, and their ministry with our international students at Case Western and Cleveland State and said how a church has pulled out their support, a church that usually gives them a one-time offering. And you guys came through when we were able to commit to them $6,000 and say, we're, we're sending you $6,000. And you can imagine how they felt about that. We have new ministry outreach partners because of your faithfulness to faith promise. We're now working with Master Plan Ministries and supporting Callie Peters and the work that she is doing with them. We've, we've increased our help or, or our support for Wycliffe Bible Translator, Translators of Pam Boston and the work, to, or Baster, excuse me, <laughs> Pam Baster and the work that she's doing with them. And then Catalyst Ministries and Patrick Cannon and the work that he does. We're all new this year. In addition, we've done one-time support. Uh, Cleveland Community Friends Church in the um, Garfield Heights area is open today primarily because we stepped alongside and, and helped them get, uh, get their sewage and plumbing taken care of so that they could keep church open. Thank you for your support for that. And we stepped in and helped uh, Alan and Phyllis uh, Brown, even more with helping Hispanics Hope and some of their special projects that they were doing for some of those Hispanic community in the Painesville area. And, of course, we continue to lead and have taken even greater lead in the role of our missions in Jamaica. Uh, every now and then we report to you that Pastor Jim is on his way to Jamaica. It's not for sunshine and vacation, although I think he works that in. Uh, but but, it's, to, but it's, to, it's to come alongside and to lead our mission work there. And I know I just did that this morning just before I came down here. And that's, I, you can get a sense for some of the good things that are going on. It's good to look back. And I thank the Lord for the work that's been gone, going on here at French Church. And it's good to look back and to think about the things that God has done. And as I was thinking about looking back, this really doesn't have anything to do with maybe what God has done. But I was thinking back to a, a story I'd read in a book uh, many years ago now. And uh, the book was written in 2000. But it was a story of a company named Hush Puppies. And or a shoe line named Hush Puppies. You might have heard this story, but Hush Puppies in 1994 was all but dead. Uh, the company had basically had started manufacturing these classic American brushed suede shoes with a light crepe uh, sole. That's, how, that's what they called themselves. And it says they manufactured these. And by 1994, late 94, early 95, the sales of hush puppies had diminished to about 30,000 pairs a year. And the parent company, uh, Wolverine Industries, out of you can guess that state up north. Um, Wolverine Industries, which this hush puppy had made their company famous, had determined that they were probably needing to shutter, shut down, discontinue the operations, and to quit selling hush puppies. It was then in early 1995 that two of the executives from hush puppies were attending a fashion shoot. And in that fashion shoot, they met a fashion stylist. Now, I don't know, you a stylist? A stylist is the person who determines what people are going to wear, like in a fashion shoot or an editorial page layout or, or even what um, um, uh, 
famous people, uh, stars are going to wear in, in shows and when they wear, you know, the, ward, the people who select the wardrobe. So they're the ones to blame, you know, when you see what you see on TV. But the, those are the fashion stylists. But the, the, they met a fashion stylist who told them the shocking news that suddenly hush puppies had become extremely popular in some of the hip bars and clubs in downtown Manhattan. They were wondering, how could this happen? Well, what happened was some young people had gone to some resale shops and had found hush puppies and had put them on and thought, you know, these are really cool. Nobody is wearing these. <laughs> Nobody is wearing these hush puppies. And so they started wearing them. To, and, they were these, and some of these, they were some of the hipsters from Soho and from East Village, part of lower Manhattan, neighborhoods in lower Manhattan. And they showed up and they started wearing all these, all these uh, hush puppies. And everybody was saying, Oh, those are different. That's kind of cool. Where'd you get them? I got them at Goodwill. I got them at, and so, they, you know, because basically the only places you could find these are some backwoods outlets and some country stores here and there. And so they started going out and finding every shoe they could, hush puppies, and find, going out anywhere they could and finding these hush puppies. And they were wearing them. And, and pretty soon it was, it was like the end thing. Everybody wanted a pair of hush puppies in lower Manhattan. It was later, 1995, where some fashion designers approached, several fashion designers approached Hush Puppies and said, we'd like to include your shoes in our fashion shoots for this fall. Well, what happened when that happened? The sales of Hush Puppies went from 30,000 a year in 1994 to 430,000 the next year to four times that the next year. Almost two million pairs of hush puppies sold just a year and a half after only 30,000 pairs of hush puppies were sold. Pretty amazing. In fact, in 1996, the Council for Fashion Awards uh, at the Lincoln Center awarded hush puppies with the award of the Accessory of the Year. <laughs> And you might say the rest is history. I went out onto Nordstrom website today, or a few days ago, and counted 46 different pairs of hush puppies you could buy, ranging from prices from $50 to 100 and some dollars, depending on children's, women's, men's hush puppies for sale. Well, that story was told in a book I read when I was still in business. It was a best, uh, bestseller from a New York Times bestseller from a man named Malcolm Gladwell. And the book was called Tipping Point. And his, his book was really wondering, how is it that things like this happen? How is it that things happen? And in his book, he defines tipping point as this. The tipping point is that magic moment when an idea, a trend, or a social behavior crosses a threshold, tips, and spreads like wildfire. It's, it's when the epidemic starts. And he started looking at what is it, in this case, that causes social behavior changes. Basically, he was saying, before the word viral came into existence, what is it that causes something to go viral? So you're saying, what's this all about? Why are you even thinking about this? Well, I was thinking about it because 
just a week or two ago, across my email came a blog from someone that I highly respect, a, a church consultant named Tom Rayner. Tom Rayner is a writer, researcher, speaker, but he's also the president and CEO of Lifeway Christian Ministries. And he does a lot of consulting and research for churches. And he gives them advice and he leads them in their changes that they're going to make. And he, he wrote this, and he, actually I don't know if he was thinking of this book, but he was writing about tipping points and he had this definition of tipping point. He says this, tipping point is a noun, the critical point in a situation, process, or system beyond which a significant and often unstoppable effect or change takes place. It's that point where it almost becomes unstoppable. Have you ever played Jenga? You know what I mean? It's that game where you got to stack your blocks and you pull one out and you stack them and you, and, and you watch it and the, the game ends when the, the tower tips, right? And you look at this and you watch it and there's sometimes it's shaky. It's shaky, but, but you, yeah, you're going to be okay. But there's sometimes you get to that point where you're playing it and you see it and someone does something. They either take one out or they put one on top and you see it and it gets to a point where you say, uh-oh. <laughs> That's what he's talking about. That point where it's going to come down. It's unstoppable. It's often unstoppable. And so he does this and is making this point in context of the church because he follows it up with this statement, this rather ominous statement. If current trajectories continue, American churches will pass a tipping point. Our congregations will begin a likely unstoppable path toward decline that will rival many European churches of the past century. Isn't that a sobering thought? But yet we've, we've kind of heard that for quite a while. Oh, the Church of America is headed just like the Church of Europe. Haven't you heard that? The churches that are more museums than places of worship. And Rayner says, if current trajectories continue, we are headed to a likely, notice the move from often unstoppable, to likely unstoppable. Statistics are concerning, and, and certainly statistics are concerning. We look at church attendance and religious affiliation in America, and those statistics continue to point towards less and less engagement, less and less involvement. Every time I go to another seminar or, or discussion at churches, they said, you know, it used to be that if you were a committed Christian, committed to your church, you were there four out of four Sundays in a month. Then it was three out of four. Then it was two out of four. I, then I went to 1.8 times. Then went to 1.6 times out of four. The last seminar or last meeting I was at and they were talking, they said it's down to the average person who considers themselves committed to their church attends 1.2 times a month. And if that continues, if that trajectory continues, we are likely headed that way. What's the reason for decline? You know, we sit there and we say, what is the reason? Why, why, are, why, why are people not attending churches? And I thought it was very interesting because as, in reading through some of, of Rayner's writings, reminded me of something I'd read in Psychology Today. 2015, a writer 
was writing and doing research, they were trying to figure out why really was, what really was responsible for the decline of religion in America. Is it really just, you know, they don't like the preacher, they don't like the music, they don't, is it, is it really that? And, and listen to what the writer had to say. So we found that religious involvement was low when individualism was high in the society. Individualism, a cultural system focusing more on the self and less on social rules, has been on the increase in the U.S. with increased self-focus. More positive self-views, more use of the word I and me in books and song lyrics, less, less adherence to social rules, less social support, less interest in large groups and social rules. Things are not better and they're not worse, but American society is more focused on individual freedom and less focused on social rules than it used to be. And they go, it makes sense then that a more individualistic culture would be a less religious one. Religious orientation implies some commitment to a larger group or organization. Belonging to a religious group means following its beliefs and practices, which can be difficult in a cultural environment favoring personal choice and individual freedom. Religion often involves respect for authority, and Americans are now less likely to respect authorities such as the government, schools, and even medical establishment. These are the forces acting on our teens and parents, and parents have a tough job trying to get them to fit in with religion. Wow. Isn't that true of our society? Individualistic. My rights. Don't mess with my rights and don't mess with their rights. And our, we become very individualistic. So I guess the question this morning is, what do we do? Do we give up? Do we do like Wolverine was going to do and decide maybe it's time to shutter <laughs> the doors? I think not. I think not. You might have guessed I was going to say that, right? I noticed, first of all, in Rainer's statement, he says, if the current trajectories continue. If the current trajectories continue. One of the things Rainer has is a great hope for the church. One of the things he sees is pockets of churches who have said, I don't care what society is, is directing. I don't care where society needs, is heading. We are going to be a, a, a place of revitalization, a place of hope. He's not suggesting we give up. After all, didn't Jesus say, I will build my church? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So what do we do? Okay, 15 minutes to tell you what we're going to do. <laughs> well, I'm encouraged. Going back to the book, The Tipping Point, I think he hits on what should encourage us in his subtitle, the book. That subtitle is up here. The Tipping Point, do we have that up there? How little things can make a big difference. Do you see that there? The Tipping Point, how little things can make a big difference. You know, Gladwell's discovery, as he looked at the hush puppy movement, at different epidemics, at other social behavior that was tipped, was that the little things, the small things, the few people, the humble, made a big difference. And it's because this, they laid the groundwork, and they built a foundation for the tipping point. It's the little things that make a big difference. Jesus has something to say about little things. 
Jesus has something to say about little things. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 31, he starts this. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's talking to his, um, all those who are following him. And he's, um, he's talking in parables. And this is one of those parables. And he says this. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. And it becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Jesus here is talking not, not about hush puppies, not about epidemics. He's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And we just spent a whole season, a whole time during Christmas season of saying that the kingdom of heaven was not what people were expecting. And that's exactly what he's telling them here. He says, if you're expecting something big, if you're expecting something splashy, this is not it. This, this is only the, the small initiation. This is the embryo of what's going to happen. This is something small. And God does, uh, uh, throughout scriptures, take small, insignificant things and people and does great things through them. It's the small little things that matter. As, as, as Gladwell says, the little things make a big difference. When I was in my um, business world uh, many years ago, we had a partner who was, who was extremely um, um, successful. He's successful in, 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 in gaining clients and keeping clients happy. He was, in, he was, he was very uh, financially successful. And so he would come and he would speak. When, he, we, when we'd have our education classes, he would speak. And he would give us his, his input into why he was successful. And he always would tell the same story. And I think I've probably said it here before. He'd always go around the room and he'd say, have you ever been bitten by an elephant? Now, I know... We could have some missionaries and stuff in here, so maybe somebody's been in those countries and been bitten by an elephant, so I know that could happen here. But it didn't happen in our accounting world, you know? You know so you'd go, you've been bitten by an elephant, 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 and everybody go around, I've been bitten by, elephant, bitten by an elephant. And then he'd go around and he'd say, have you ever been bitten by a mosquito? Have you ever been bitten by a mosquito? I've been bitten by a mosquito. And everybody say, yeah, I've been bitten by a mosquito. And he'd, and he'd always say, see, it's the small things that matter. It's the small things that get you you got to take care of the small things. And, and that's the way God is. He says, he says I'll, I'll take care of those small things. It's the little things in your life, the little things in your church that add up to eventually making a point where you have a tipping point. Acts, small things are all through the Bible. Didn't Jesus come as a small thing? Six pounds, three ounces, 18 inches? I don't know. Jesus came as a small thing. He ushered in this kingdom that would grow. The widow gave two mites, a small thing, but it was all she had. And she received the praise of our Savior. A little boy came to a meeting with 5,000 folks with a couple fish and five loaves, a small thing. God took it, Jesus took it, and blessed it, and multiplied it, and used it. I think most important, though, is to look at the book of Acts. When Jesus left, I can imagine, you know, it, the disciples had to make the decision, the same decision that Wolverine had to make. Is it time to shutter this thing up? Is it time to shutter it up? And I can hear people saying, hey, it's done. They might as well close the doors. The guy who let him's gone. You know, some said he rose from the dead, but yeah, I don't know. He's not around anymore. What are we going to do? They were down to 11, not just 12 apostles and a, f and a few other disciples that 
that were following them, men and women. Not much there. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. They could get them all in one place. (laughs) What a ragtag small group to start with. But then it goes on and says this. Suddenly, uh, when, when, when the guys went, when the fashion um, stylist was telling these executives about this change. It's, 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 he, he basically said, all of a sudden, your shoes are popular. A tipping point has started. I, I see suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what appeared to be flames or tongues or fire appeared and settled in each one of them. Gladwell, when he was defining tipping point, says it spreads like wildfire. There was something that happened. Verse 4 says, And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. In the church, I can't think of any tipping point, of any great movement, of any change that has not happened under the leading and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's presence and power that's going to make a difference in the church and the United States. It's the Holy Spirit's presence and power that's going to make a difference in the church and Willoughby Hills. It's the Holy Spirit's presence and power that makes a difference in our lives. His spirit comes and it makes all the difference in the world. It's the tipping point. It's the tipping point. The tipping point was when God's spirit comes and enters and changes things and transformation takes place. You could tell a church when a tipping point is Holy Spirit led. You know, there can be tipping points and great things happen in Rotary and, and great things happen in Kiwanis and great things happen in PTA, but, but, but it's not going to be a church unless it's the Holy Spirit. There can even be great things happening in your community group, but if it's not the Holy Spirit, then it's just some cool things happening. It's not God moving. It's not God creating. It's not God bringing his work amongst us. He goes on in verse 33, the next verse, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. You know, Jesus usually when he talks about yeast, he talks about it's in a bad way. It's the yeast comes in and infects and, it, and just infects something. But here he says the, the yeast reaches out and when you hit that tipping point, it starts spreading. It's like the, it's like the, the shoes. It's like everybody's wearing them. The yeast goes through, and it has a li- this little, little cause has big effects. The small things we do make a big difference. And so any, anything that we do small, anything that we can do just a little better, anything that we can, any spiritual practice that we can improve on, anything that we can, that we can say, Lord, I, I want you to do in my life, maybe it's small. Maybe it's small this year. I'm not saying we need to, we need to, we need to eat an elephant. <laughs> maybe we just need to swat a few mosquitoes. Craig Rochelle, pastor, says this, small disciplines done consistently lead to big results over time. 
Small disciplines done consistently lead to big results over time. I, I, I tell you what, we feel, like, we feel like we've been spending some time over the last year, the last two years, doing some small things. They've, been, they've taken a lot of time, but we've been doing them to lead to what we believe is God moving and going to move in a tipping point. We've already committed, and, and a year and a half, two years ago now, we committed to our new vision. The new vision we, to be a Christ-centered community. A Christ-centered community changing our world. You know, that, at that point, community sounded important, and it is important, but it's, it's the antithesis of the individualistic world. It's the antithesis of me, me, me. It's we are in this together, and we want to be a Christ-centered community changing our world. It led to us to our change in our mission statement. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to be becoming a community of authentic Christ followers compelled to change our world. We're going to become this community, and we're going to change our world. We follow that with adopting, hip hooray, our new organizational structure. You know, that took a lot of work, a lot of work to adopt our new organizational structure last October 14th. But it set us up, it set us up to get rid, you know, some of these things that, that, that annoyances, to get, they're important, they're foundational, they, they help us, but they are preparing us for what God is going to do next. So now I would suggest it's time to get to work. We've, we've, done the, we've done the leg work. We've done the, we've done the, the ground work. We've, we've, we've set, the, set the foundation. Now we want God's spirit to move in us and to take us to, to a tipping point where it's a tip, tipping point in a positive way. I'd rather be a tipper than a tippy. <laughs> you know, we want to be tippers. We, wanna, we want God's spirit to move. And we're going to do that. We're going to, we want to do it, first of all, by getting just a little better living out our core values. Our core values of God's word, dynamic prayer, transformed lives, authentic community, generous giving, and effective outreach. We want to be just a little better at doing that. How do we get a little better? You know, you get a little better at little things. You know, here's, here's something, here's an example of just something of getting a little better at. Uh, Rainier, in one of his books that I read over the holidays, has, um, he has the 10 biggest number, one through 10 top reasons why visitors don't come back to your church. Okay, interesting. But there, there are little things you can do better. Number eight was they don't know how to get around because there's poor signage. Yeah. Have you ever walked in a building and you say, Where do I? Hey, have you noticed the new signage on our wall when you walk in uh, entrance A and you look up and you see worship center this way? You know, the, why is that there? It's we want, we want to get just a little better. We want to get a little better in our hospitality. We want to get a little better in welcoming visitors. We want to get just a little better. So we're going to offer some more training to our greeters and ushers here in, in, in January on, on, and going into February on how to be a little more friendly. But do you know the number two reason wasn't that the ushers weren't friendly enough or the greeters weren't friendly enough. It's that the church people weren't friendly enough. We, we all can be a little better, can't we, at welcoming friends? Just a little better. Just a little better. We're, we can be a little better in our group life, in our community groups. A little better. One of the things I'm so excited about, and I think this is, this, is, this is big, this is more than just a little thing, but one of the things we've been talking about, we have, we have our community groups, and we, we have, which, which are fellowship and Bible, and they're wonderful, but sometimes we say, I need more. I need to go deeper. I need, I need, I need a mentor. And it feels like something we've been lacking in, and we can do that just a little better. 
Pastor Eric right now is in the process of finalizing his recruit of 12, and we'll call them mentors for now, mentors who are going to be establishing what we're going to call, what we're calling circles. They're circles of three to four men or three to four women who are serious about their faith. 1.2 times is not enough. Four times is not enough. I, I want weekly to be involved in a small accountability group that studies. In fact, we've picked, gone through for the last year trying to figure out what to use. Settled on discipleship, discipleship essentials. And there's three essentials. Three, three essentials. <laughs> okay. Three essentials that are part of this. And these three essentials are, first of all, the, we, we, have to, we have to understand the, the, of the unchanging truth of God's word. That's one of our core values. Brainer says in, in his book, he said, if it's, if, in, regarding, regarding the, 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 the challenge to our theology, he said, if it's not solid, if a church does not have a solid biblical and theological foundation, all else is moot. If we don't believe in the authority of God's word, if we, if we are saying, well, did God really say that? We begin there, and, and this, this, this weekly study, this weekly commitment that we're going through in our circles will start with God's word. And then it goes into the transparent relationships. It's about getting rid of that attitude that it's all about me. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm interested in, in de developing community with others. I've been part of a men's group over the last I don't know, five, six months, four of us that meet and, and, and this, this being transparent with each other and where we're struggling and, and, and how, how the, what we're studying affects our lives has been so, so important for my spiritual growth. And I appreciate that. And then finally, mutual accountability. Rayner says the other tipping point is action. He says the churches need to, to, to quit getting on the sideline, get, get get, being on the sideline and getting in the game. We need to be sharing our faith. We need to be inviting other people. We need to be helping meet the social ills that are around us. Interesting that Gladwell says in his book many years before in 2000, if you want to bring a fundamental change to people's belief and behavior, you need to create a community around them where these new beliefs can be practiced and expressed and nurtured. He says, Gladwell sounds like a Christian. Well, actually, he grew up in a Mennonite evangelical home. And he, uh, he had really kind of not necessarily walked away, but really wasn't practicing his faith until 2013 when he was writing a book on overcoming your um, challenges. And he called it David and Goliath. And as part of that, he decided to do some research into the Bible. Later that year, he was speaking at a Catalyst Christian conference. <laughs> as he found his faith. But he found it in, in community where people's beliefs can be practiced and expressed. So for this year, I'm glad to tell you, I'm not announcing any 180 degree turn. We're not saying we've been doing this, now we gotta do this. We gotta change our name. Change our name to first, uh, um, First friends of Northeast Ohio, but literally like being in Willoughby Hills, but you're invited for your mentor and all that too. You know, that's not our name anymore. No, we're not. We don't need to change it. We need to do a little better. We need to do a little better at our greeting. We need to do a little better at our, at our serving. We need to do a little better in our studying. We need to do a little better in our mentoring. We're going to help you. I'm excited about a series coming up here. 
we have two series coming up in January and February from the, from the pulpit and the messages on, on the little things that, obstacles, those, those things that, that, that sometimes keep us from being a little better. And then in March, we're going to be going five weeks on the things we can do to help us be better. And we're going to be walking through those, and I, I encourage you to be part of that. We believe we need to be better with our families. Brian and Mary Sleds have stepped up, and they've been, they've been teaching, and they've been leading our, our, our family ministries under our new governance. And they've, you, you might not know this. We talk about starting small. The first week in February might look a little empty around here because we have 20 couples that are headed to, uh, um, what do you call it, Amish country for a couple's retreat. It started small, just a word of mouth. Didn't even advertise it. But we only had 20 tickets, so that's all we could do. (laughs) But those things we're going to be a little better at as we now develop our family ministries and our marriage ministries. In February, Mike Suba and Rick Nardo have agreed to lead our new men's ministry. And in February, we're going to have a mixer for leaders and individuals and men who want to be part of that ministry, who want to help lead that. We're excited to do just a little better with our men's ministry. We need to do that. We're going to do some other cool things. I think all I'll say now, if you want to hear everything, you're going to have to come to the business meeting on, uh, in two weeks from now on Sunday night as we talk about next year. We'll get a little more deeper into some of these things. God's doing some great things. And we just need to be a little better. What do you want to be a little better at this year? What, what, what is God saying, I need you to be a little better at this? Is it in your prayer life? Is it in your Bible reading? Is it in your service to the church? Can you be a little better? Just a little better. Because it doesn't take much when you're a little better, a little better, a little better, a little better till you hit a tipping point. I've been there. I've seen a church. I've seen churches where things have been going along and going along, but, but the fire has been lit. And you don't see it, and you don't see it, and you don't see it, and you don't see it. Then all of a sudden, it's just like Acts 2. Whoom! The Holy Spirit comes and things begin to happen. People begin to heal. Saved. Rescued. I want that Holy Spirit power this year. I think we've been doing the right things. You've been telling me we're doing the right things. We just need to do them a little better. A little better. Keep at it. Don't give up. I love what Gladwell says. He says, don't give up just because change isn't happening. He says this, look at the world around you. It may seem like an immovable, implacable place. It is not. With the slightest push in just the right place, it can be tipped. Do you believe that? Do you believe the church can be part of tipping this community? Do you believe the church can be part of ushering in the Holy Spirit? I believe that. I believe that because Jesus says in Matthew 17, 20, Surely I, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain, move from here and there to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. The small little things make a difference. The small little things make a difference. Don't give up because you don't see anything happening. God is moving. His spirit is ready. I believe for a breakthrough. Let's make 2019 a breakthrough year. A tipping year. Let's be, let's be tippers. Now, I don't mean tippers like, you can be tippers like in a restaurant. But I mean, let's be tippers. 
Let's work together and let's make a difference in this community. Let's make a difference in our church. Let's make a difference in our families. Let's make a difference in our lives. And the good thing is we don't have to have a big new program to do that. We can do that where we are today. We just need to make a commitment to it. Would you stand with me? I'm going to ask you to do three things, so we don't have time really to do the first two, much more than mention them. Would you, would you either do one of two things? You have a program, and if there's something God's speaking you on today that says you need to do this, this is, your, this is your, what you need to, I tell you what, I personally just got to be a better prayer. Got to be a better prayer. And that's my commitment this year. More time, more dedication, more time on my knees. That's me. That's me. What's yours? Maybe there's also cards that you turn in with the offering. If there's something you want to let us know, I'd be willing to. I can help out. I can do this. I, you know, I like to be a helper. I would like to serve more. I like to do something. You can always let us know that. But here's what I really want you to do this morning. If you want to be a tipper, if you, if you want God's spirit to come and, and move and challenge and create, create in us a fire that can't be resisted. I just want, as we close in prayer this morning, if you come join me, just walk out of your seats and gather around, around here, around the altar and say, yeah, I want to be part of what something great happening here at Friends Church in 2019. I want to pray for the church. I want to be part of, of, this, of this movement, of this tipping. I want to be part of what God is going to do. I believe that God is going to move as we each do our small little bits, our small little bits to help him. Small little bits to create a fire in this community. Our small little bits to create a storm. Our small little bits. I think God is calling us to do things better. I'm going to do things better. Band, you're going to be better this year, right? Just, oh, they can't hear me. They got the earphones in. <laughs> We're all going to be just a little better. I want to seek him. I want his spirit to fill me. I want a great movement. Let's pray. Father, this morning, we come, and we come united. We come, Lord, to offer ourselves, to offer ourselves to be tippers, Lord, to, to, Lord, to carry your fire where it needs to go. Lord, to reach out into community, to reach out into the, with the hurting, to reach to those who are marginalized, to those with hurts, habits, hang-ups. Lord, committing ourselves to what we need to do, the small things that we can do to see revival, revitalization. To know, God, that you are still on the throne and your church will prevail. Lord, guide us and lead us and direct us in this next year. And we'll give you the praise and the honor.
for what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Eric's going to share just one or two quick things with us about some of the good things. I just want to share uh, a letter that was sent to us from uh, InterVarsity uh, International Student Ministry as a word of gratitude for all of you and your generosity. And really, it was the small things, all it took was for Pastor Steve to mention something on Christmas Eve, and all of you collectively stepped up, and we were able to bless this ministry, and uh, just to hear the gratitude to come back uh, as a result of that was just uh, really amazing. And just turn your attention also to the program where we feature an event on the 24th. I, this uh, January's um, Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and um, as we've been praying about how to um, be the change in our community against this uh, social injustice, um, we're excited to be, um, be have this event to, to raise awareness and to continue to um, bolster um, our own vision uh, for this uh, particular work. And um, as Pastor Steve mentioned, there's all kinds of opportunities that you're going to hear about starting next week on how to grow deeper. And so um, this is a great challenge for us to consider what is that next even small thing. And, and that we, as, as people of faith, we, we were never designed to go through this journey of faith alone. Uh, we were designed to be together in this community. And so we're going to be offering those um, opportunities for you to gather together, to grow together um, and we really want to see that happen uh, in, this, in this new year. So um, blessings on your challenge to consider what that next little thing will be, how you can grow, how you can serve, how God can use you in far greater ways than you could ever imagine if we, the people of God, could just be open to it. Go in the strength of God's spirit and go in his power and his peace. You are dismissed.